Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. How's it going? My name is Ryan, and uh, I am happy you're here today. You might notice something different about me right now. I'm incredibly hot, hotter than normal. Uh, Heather said, uh, we had a conversation last night about different things maybe that we would want to do, like get a tattoo or whatever, Um, and I I would not get a tattoo at this point in my life, but I said I always wanted gauges, and so here they are. Lauren, I know, I know, Um, but unfortunately they're magnets, and so they're coming off. But I wore them up here, Heather, and so I hope you're happy. Uh-oh, I dropped one. They're, they're my wife's, and uh, she never wears them, so I'm going to wear them. So anyway, happy you're here. We are, um, I feel like every time I come up here, I'm following Isaac Schaefer, and uh, I thought that was tough. He's always such a good preacher and everything, but... Now I have to follow Asela, which is tough, but then follow Tony. Tony beatboxed. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that. I'm going to have to like tap dance or something in order to compete with that. He is a drummer, apparently a beatboxer. We're in a series called Rhythms. I, there's no way to compete with that. But uh, My dad is a drummer, and so he has a lot of rhythm. He's been in bands growing up and everything like that. He has played the drums his whole life. He has great rhythm. He passed none of that on to me. He, he always asked me to. He passed on like his chicken legs and knobby knees to me, but zero amount of rhythm. Um, and uh, Lauren, even if you ask my wife about my rhythm, she very clearly says, you have no rhythm. Like, I... My song can come on in the car, and I'm playing the steering wheel drum set or whatever, and she will flat out say, you have the worst rhythm out of anyone I've ever met. And so within like a month of us even dating, she shattered my dreams of being a white rapper. Um, Is she in here? Don't tell her, but those dreams still exist, all right? It's happening. Um... So let me pray before I lose any more trust in doing a sermon on rhythms, but uh, let me pray. Jesus, we desperately need you, and today, um, as we keep talking about rhythms, I just am reminded of uh, all the rhythms that you have placed in our life, um, from our heartbeat to sunrises and sunsets and waves crashing over and over and over endlessly against uh, a beach. It's so clear that you call us to healthy rhythms in our life. And um, so, God, I just pray today that as we talk through this last piece of uh, rhythms, we uh, just would hear from you clearly. I pray for myself as I speak that I would speak clearly and that you would use me, a broken vessel, to speak to uh, a room full of also broken vessels. Uh, just speak clearly through me today. That's, that's my prayer. Anything that is not glorifying to you, God, I pray that you, it wouldn't even make it out of my mouth. Uh, so, yeah, help me speak truth today. Amen. 
So um, for me, this rhythm series been, has been really interesting. Uh, it's been super practical, which I think is cool. We, we've gone through all kinds of different things um, so far, and a lot of times I will walk away from church on a Sunday morning feeling encouraged or feeling equipped or feeling uh, just filled up spiritually. And uh, I think this series has been cool because I've been able to take things away from it that is just like... I can do something different today that will make a significant impact on my life. And hopefully uh, that's what you'll walk away with today as we talk about time management. This, um, you know, God, like I said, says things about our rhythms. Uh, Jesus says different things about rhythms. And we've talked about what he says about our, our money. He's talked about what he says about our sleep, what, our, what he says about our thoughts, what he says about the things we eat um, and God also has something to say about the way we manage our time. And so today, we are talking about time management, which uh, the good news is I'm going to get you out of here at 11 o'clock on the dot, because we're going to be managing our time well. I'm not going to dare go over in a sermon on time management. Uh, bad news is that we're going to spend the next 30 minutes talking about time management. So Enjoy. I want to try to make it fun and exciting and practical, and you can walk away with some good stuff. Um, and so the very first thing I did when I heard I was speaking on time management, which, by the way, don't miss teaching team meetings or else you get assigned to time management. Um, but the cool thing is, is that I actually, I actually love this topic. Like it, It's something that I feel like... I have something to say about it. I think it's something that I'm actually kind of good at, and I know that's why you guys assign me to it, which I'm grateful for. Uh, but let me give you a little of my street cred, if you will, when it comes to time management. So I have a, a full-time job. I work for Youth for Christ, and um, for my job, I wear multiple hats. And so I have a local job here, of campus life director. And so I won't go into what that is exactly, but essentially there are people across the country who are doing campus life director for their 40-hour week job all the time. And uh, so that's a full-time job. And then on top of that, I also supervise some people here locally, which people are doing across the country as their 40-hour a week full-time job. And then on top of that, I also uh, serve as a regional director. And so essentially the middle third of the country, I'm kind of help lead and coach and uh, things like that. And again, something that some people do as their full-time job. And so with my 40-hour-a-week job, I have a full plate, I would say. Um, but on top of that, I help my wife, Lauren, with her photography business, and so on, on Saturdays, oftentimes I'm shooting weddings with her. Um, I also, between the two of us working full-time jobs, we don't have childcare, and so we're taking care of two kids at home. Um, and throughout the day and everything, I play in a hockey league. I have a house that we own, and I take care of. I mow the lawn. I pay the bills. I do all the other things that is being demanded of my time consistently. And I don't say all that to brag and say, look at me, look how busy I am, look how important I am, but actually the opposite, to say, um, I feel like I have a ton of time. Like, in spite of all the things that are demanding of my time, I feel like I 
do a pretty good job of organizing that time and using that time wisely. Um, and Lauren and I both, we, ha- we spend so much time together as a family, which is a blessing. We, we have plenty of time to like hang out with friends. We have plenty of time to do hobbies and rest and relax and travel and stuff like that. Um, maybe not money to travel, but time to travel. We have um, like time to, probably too much time. I watch I've seen most of the episodes of Bachelor in Paradise this season, which is way too much time. I still play video games sometimes. Um, I'm able to spend time with Jesus every day. We take vacations. We have hobbies. We just have a lot of spare time. And so I guess all that to say is that we are busy, very, very busy. I know every person in this room would be like, yeah, me too. Sign me up. I'm I'm busy. But um, I feel like I've found a way to manage my time way where I can do less things that I have to do and more things that I want to do. And so what I want and my hope, I guess, I feel like that should be our goal is to do less things that we have to do and more things that we want to do. We have to mow the lawn. We have to go to work. We have to pay bills. We have a long, long list of things that we always have to do and that's not going anywhere. But when we spend our time, how we spend our time doing those things affects how much time we have to do or have to do the things that we want to do. And so that's my hope is that you would walk away, you know, with time to do the things that you would want to do rather than the things that you would have to do. We all want to spend more time with our family, I think, with our wife, with our kids. We all want to spend more time with Jesus reading the Bible or praying or worshiping or listening to worship music or whatever that looks like. We want to volunteer We want to love others well. We want to serve others well. We want to dream. We want to create things. We want to explore. We want to do all sorts of things that we just oftentimes don't do because we have to do the laundry or whatever. We just have things that we do. And so um, the very first thing I did when I heard I was speaking on time management is Google biblical time management, which seemed like a good place to start. And what's interesting is it seemed like every single thing I saw said this. Put God first, family second, and everything else after that. Work, hobbies, whatever. God first, family second, everything else after that. And I get that, but I'm not sure I fully agree. And here's my problem with that. When you put God first, family second, and everything else third, you're segregating God from those other things. And so what I would say is the reality is is that God needs to be first, second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way down the line. God needs to be a part of your job. God needs to be a part of your hobbies, your travel, your work uh, in the home, your, your social life. God should even be a part of like mowing the lawn and driving to work. When I mow the lawn, that's when I feel like I spend a lot of good time with Jesus. Like I have so many sermon illustrations based on lawnmowers because I'm thinking about those things as I'm mowing the lawn. And so, um, I feel like if I had to boil down biblical time management into one sentence, it's this. Every moment of your time should be used to glorify God. If any moment of your life isn't used for Jesus, then that's a wasted moment of your life. I don't care if you're with family, if you're with friends, if you're at church, if you're at work or whatever. It doesn't matter. Every single moment of your life is meant to glorify God. That is our purpose. That is why we were put here 
on this earth. Um, it, and those things, those church, friends, work, all those things are good, but if they're not, you can glorify God through those things, through your time with your family, as you spend time with your wife, as you spend time with your kids, or when you're at work, uh, talking to a coworker at the water cooler, whatever that is, those are times that we need to glorify God through the way that we act, the things that we say, the things that we do. Uh, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as, uh, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And making the most of every opportunity, in my opinion, I think means glorifying God in everything you do, every moment. And then uh, Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. So I remember 10 years ago or so, Michael Jackson died. And I remember watching his funeral on TV. I was one of 31 million people that watched it on TV. It was at the Staples Center. It was, a t- it was attended in person by hundreds and thousands or thousands of people, hundreds of, you know, the biggest names and the biggest celebrities. Uh, Aretha Franklin saying there, it was just like, I, I feel like at that point, I realized how big Michael Jackson actually was. Uh, growing up, I never fully understood the amount of um, just pull he had, the amount of celebrity he had. But uh, watching that funeral, I feel like I started to realize that he was just huge. Uh, he had 15 Grammys. 500 million records sold. Every record that he ever created holds some kind of record for sales or for uh, different things like that. Time at number one. Uh, thousands of screaming fans at his concerts. People were obsessed with him. He was more famous than any of us in here could possibly imagine. Like, just the amount. And I've even watched a few documentaries on him, and it's just captivating how huge and how much of a phenomenon he was. Um, and so uh, then he dies, and even his funeral is this, like, massive event, this international event. And so what I remember about his funeral is not the lots and lots of people or anything like that. What I remember and what stuck out to me is this. The pastor that was doing his service said this, and now the king of pop, that was Michael Jackson's nickname, the king of pop, and now the king of pop goes to kneel before the king of kings. His entire life, Michael Jackson's entire life, was spent making music and becoming famous. Even since he was a child, he was in the Jackson 5, and uh, then his solo career and all these things. More records sold than we can imagine, more fans than we can imagine. And the moment he dies, he goes to kneel before Jesus. And every second he spent doing anything aside from worshiping God was wasted. And so that is just a reminder. Like, time with Jesus is never wasted. Time glorifying our king is never wasted. Time glorifying our king through loving others or time glorifying our king through uh, pointing others to Jesus or reading your Bible or all those things are time well spent because when we ultimately go to kneel before Jesus, those are the things that will be looked at. And it's, it's how we spend our time. It's how we spend our lives that Jesus will look at and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so I, I think that how we spend our time reveals what we see is valuable, is as valuable. 
You know, the, t the things you spend your time on are what you see as valuable. And so I, I think a, something to do, and as we walk away today, something to take a look at is like, how, how do you spend your time? And does that line up with what God sees as valuable? Because oftentimes I think we can waste our time doing things that we find valuable, but God doesn't see as valuable. And so uh, as you look at the time you spend, look at that and see, am I, glor am I glorifying God with it? Are these things that I'm spending my time on, are, are the things that I see as valuable the same thing that God sees as valuable? And I think what can be tricky oftentimes is even that can be a trap. Because even if we aren't selfish with our time, or even if we aren't foolish with our time, or even if we are trying hard to do things that are good and pleasing to God, uh, we can still spend too much time uh, trying to do things for God. We can serve the poor for God, and we can go to church for God, and we can spend all of our time doing things for God. But I think God wants us to do things with him. And if we spent less time trying to do things for God and more time doing things with God, I think that's a better use of our time. Because if our time is God's, then we'll, spend, then we'll be spending every moment of our lives with him if our time is fully his. His spirit lives in us, and so therefore he never leaves us. And that means we can do everything that we do in a day with God. We can drive to work with God. We can spend time with God. Every breath we, can, we take can be with God so that his spirit naturally flows out of us and affects the people around us, affects our family, affects our friends, those kind of things. You can do all kinds of good things for God, and you can actually never spend a moment with God. And so I think that's something that we need to keep in mind. It's like, how uh, are we doing too much for God, and are we not doing enough with God? Uh, because I know for me, and I know this is the case, I'm sure, for all of us, we all have a task list. And when Jesus is a part of every one of those tasks, that's when we're spending time with him in those, rather than doing some of those for him. That's when we're spending time the way it was meant to be spent. My task list every day could honestly, like, never end. I feel like there's always something that I could add to my task list that I want to do, and there's always something that needs to be added, whether it's call my mom, call my dad, call my brother, mow the lawn, do the dishes, change the diaper, do the dishes again, uh, pay the bills, send an email, whatever those things are that get kind of accumulate on your task list, that, that list never ends. We're always going to be busy, but I think oftentimes in today's world, we can confuse busyness with effectiveness. And so a lot of times if our task list is long, we think we're being effective when really we're just being busy. And the, um, the way that we can be effective is even if we have one thing on our task list, if that is spent with God rather than doing something for God, that's when we're effective. The busyness doesn't matter. It's the effectiveness that we want to do. And so um, I think most of us in here want to be effective, whether it's in our jobs, whether it's as a parent or, or whatever. We want to be effective. And even more so, I think, we want to be effective for the kingdom of God. But w maybe we don't know how. And so I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. And I want to give you some very practical things to do 
to free up some of your time um, so that hopefully you can be less busy and more effective. And so that hopefully you can do things, do less of the things that you have to do and more of the things that you want to do. Um, and as we go into that, I think it's important to remember that our time is beyond valuable. It's the most important commodity and the most precious commodity that you have because as soon as your time is gone, there's no getting it back. Like your, your money, your car, your house, all those things can go away, but you can get them back. Time, as soon as it's gone, it's gone. And so it's, it's seriously the most precious commodity, I think, that we have. And so as we move into this practical side of the sermon, um, I'm usually not much of a like five simple steps to changing your life kind of sermon guy. I don't necessarily like these five, five things, but I couldn't think of a better way to do this. So today you're getting like Ryan Anderson's five ways to manage your time better and become a better person and change the lives of others in the process. So um, that's going to be the title of my book, five, five Simple Ways to Manage Your Time Better, Change People's Lives, and whatever I just said, become a better person. <laughs> it's a work in progress. So uh, number one, know what you are not doing. Know what you are not doing. Anytime you do something, you're not doing a whole lot of other things. All right? And so if you're working, you're most likely not spending time with family. If you're spending time with family, you're most likely not working out or whatever. Uh, if you're watching TV, then you're most likely not spending time with Jesus. And if you're spending time with Jesus, you're most likely not watching Bachelor in Paradise or whatever. And so, like, whatever you're doing, there's something that you are not doing. And, in fact, there's a long list of things that you're not doing. And so being aware of that, I think, is, is really important, and it helps you prioritize things like that. Even as we look in the Bible at Mark 5, uh, Jesus was in the middle of a large crowd. This is the story of Jairus' daughter. Uh, Jesus was in the middle of a large crowd, and all of a sudden a man comes up to him, kind of begging him to come back with him. His name is Jairus. Um, come back to his home with him and to save his daughter. His daughter's sick, 12-year-old daughter, sick and dying. Um, and so Jesus goes. He stops what he's doing and goes. But on the way, he's interrupted by a woman who has been sick and bleeding for 12 years. And she reaches through the crowd and she t touches his cloak. And at that point, Jesus stops. And he's... And, uh, this man, at the time, this man's daughter is dying back home. And so it seems like there should be some urgency on Jesus' part to get back to the daughter. But he, Jesus decides to stay and heal this woman. And so his, Jesus temporarily, temporarily says no to one thing so that he can say yes to something else. And I think Jesus is so aware of that. He sees in that moment that his time is better spent healing that woman than going to, to save Jairus' daughter. And eventually he goes and, and also heals Jairus' daughter. But he knows that by saying yes to this woman, he's saying no to, to Jairus. And so um, I think for us, if we thought in that process of like, kind of like Jesus does, what am I saying no to as I say yes to this, everything would change for us. And I, I even... So a few years ago, what really, really helped me in this, I spent some time making a purpose statement for my life. 
and uh, it was a purpose and mission and vision statement. But I went through this process of finding things in my life that were most important to me and that I could uniquely offer the world. Um, and so I came up with this purpose statement. My purpose is to love and invest in others in a creative, humble, and sacrificial way, ultimately revealing the hope we have in Jesus. And so now, if with that as my purpose statement, I have a filter through which I can make every decision that I need to make. If somebody asks me to do something and it doesn't fit through that filter of, in a creative, humble, and sacrificial way, ultimately, ultimately revealing the hope we have in Jesus, I'm wasting my time. It's going to be a no. And there, there's a lot of things that can, fil- can fit through that filter, but at least it gives me something to say yes to and something to say no to because making this purpose statement for me was huge. Now I know if somebody asks me to do something, I'm like, okay. Uh, and I don't even need to think about it anymore, but is it, am I going to have the opportunity to reveal the hope that we have in Jesus through this thing I say yes to? And so that, honestly, that purpose statement for me was very, very significant in my life. I would love to kind of talk through that process more with you. If you have any questions, feel free to talk to me afterwards. I would love that. Um, so that's number one. Number two, have a mind like water. I remember when I was a kid in high school, I was 15, early high school, we had this friend who worked at State Farm Park. I grew up in Bloomington, and so State Farm Park has a pool and our friend, Chrissy, was a lifeguard there. And so me and my group of friends would go there and swim and stuff in the evenings And uh, when she was lifeguarding. And our goal, me and this other kid, Brian, specifically, we were punk kids. And our goal was to basically just, when she was in the diving board area, our goal was to splash her. And so we would go over and over and over off the diving board, just jumping like to the side, trying to get her as wet as possible. And uh, Brian would go up there and he would do a cannonball and he would make this huge splash and effortlessly splash and get her soaked every time. And I would run up and I would jump as high as I can and I would like on the way down splash my hands to try to make the splash bigger and every time it was like bloop, like (laughs) nothing. Because when I was, like, the difference was Brian was, like, a kid who hit puberty when he was three years old. I hit puberty when I was 23 years old. Still working on it, in fact. I was 5'2", 92 pounds when I got my license when I was 16. There are babies and toddlers in here that are that big. Those stats, 5'2", 92 pounds, does not bode well for cannonballs. But my point is, is that water appropriately reacts to the force that is upon it. So big Brian splashes very big. Little tiny freshman in high school Ryan, boop, nothing. And like hardly a ripple. And same thing if you threw a big boulder in water, you would get a big splash. If you threw a little pebble in water, you would get a small splash. And having a mind like water means our mind appropriately reacts to the, the things that come at it. And so we're spending the appropriate amount of time on the right things. I have a tendency to spend way, way, way too much time on little things that I shouldn't spend very much time on. And then when big things come into my life, 
I don't have time for that because I just spent a bunch of time on something stupid. I remember a while back we had a banquet for Youth for Christ, um, and I spent days designing the flyer for it or the invitation for it. And that left me with very little time to do the important parts of like programming and creating the content and getting the speakers who are going to speak and things like that, all because I spent way too much time on simply designing a flyer that wasn't very important. And so don't spend too much time on things that shouldn't take very long. And that will free you up to spend much, much more time on the things that you should be investing more time in. Makes sense? Um, and that's, you can determine what those things are, whether it's at your work, whether it's at home, time with family, those kind of things. Uh, number three, delegate to others. So in the Bible, there's a story about a guy named Jethro. It's Moses' father-in-law. I love this story because we have a son named Jethro. Um, Moses' father-in-law is a very wise man, and he gives Moses a very sound piece of advice. Um, and one day I hope our son Jethro will be as wise as Jethro in the Bible. Um, for now, he poops his pants every day, so he's <laughs> got a ways to go. Um, but in Exodus 18, Moses is leading his people, and his role is to be the judge. So if, um, if people have a disagreement or whatever, they bring it to, to Moses, and the, he judges the case. And Jethro sees that Moses is doing this all day long, every day, morning till night. And so Jethro comes along, and he essentially tells Moses to delegate to others. He says, find some leaders and put them in charge of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens, and they can settle the small disputes for you, and uh, you can take on the major ones. And basically, he says, you're going to wear, your wear yourself out doing this. You're wasting your time. You can't do this alone. And the reality is for us is, like I said, our time is so precious. It's something that you can't get back. And so if you are doing something that someone else can do, that's something to rethink and be like, am I the right person to be doing this, to be spending my time on it? And so one thing I've done is, um, this is an exercise you can do. It's called red light, green light. And so write down every task that you have in a day, whether it, maybe it's at your job. Write down every task, answer email, uh, whatever kind of job it is, every single task, or maybe if you're a stay-at-home mom, write down every task that you do in a day. And then after those are all documented, go and write a red light next to the ones that you hate, a yellow light next to the ones that you don't mind doing but can handle it, and a green light next to the ones that you love. So suddenly you have every task and a red light, green light, or a yellow light next to it. And then you go down and you say, okay, which of these red light activities, the things that I hate, could somebody else be doing? And the reality is, is maybe one of those red light activities for you is a green light activity for someone else. People like doing some weird things in this world. And so <laughs> maybe they like playing with the dog and you absolutely hate it. And so like, you can take these things and almost like trade, you know? You do this thing I hate, and I'll do the thing I love that you hate. And so, I mean, that can be done with your spouse, that can be done with your husband. Those, those kind of things, that communication between husband and wife or coworker and worker or whatever can save significant amounts of time or at least can take the time that you are spending on things that you totally 
dislike and turn it into things that actually bring you life. Um, <clears throat> so that's number three. Number four, uh, make useful lists. If you were to look at my phone, I have a ton of lists in there. I use the Reminders app on my phone, and I make lists about pretty much everything. Uh, books to read, movies to watch, groceries that we need, songs I like, home projects I want to do, to-dos for my job, to-dos for my job when I have internet access and when I don't have internet access, um, to-dos for my house ideas that I have. Usually those come at night when I'm like just thinking of great inventions, and then the next morning I look and I'm like, delete, that was a bad idea. Um, sermon illustrations, literally anything that I want to remember at some point I make a list of in my phone because if I don't have a list of movies that I want to watch, I will scan through Netflix for like an hour and 26 minutes or uh, however long a movie is to choose a movie and then I've lost my, my time that I had to watch a movie. Lauren's always like, I'm always like, what do you want to watch? And she's like, anything but you scanning through choosing something to watch. So I think that's your favorite show is me watching. Um, and even uh, making lists is so biblical too because in the Bible, I'm reading through the Bible in a year, there are so many lists in the Bible. And even uh, Jesus used lists. In Matthew 10, he sends out the 12 disciples and he essentially sends them with a list. Matthew 10 says this, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. And so basically, he's like, here's your, here's your to-do list. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Only go to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, no silver, no copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes or sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. So even Jesus, it's like as he sends the disciples... He's like, there's a lot of stuff. Here's your list. Now go and do. And if I were one of the disciples, I would have got out my phone and wrote it in my, wrote it in my app. Um, and again, like the Bible is filled with lists of, you know, people or cities or instructions. There's just tons and tons of lists in the Bible. Um, and there are other, some more practical thoughts on making lists. One, if you're making a to-do list and you're going to write something down that takes a minute or less to do, don't write it down. Just do it right then. Um, don't write, you know, text so-and-so on your to-do list. Just text them right now. Uh, because the reality is, is our brains are made for ideas. God, God is a creative God. The first verb in the Bible is create. In the beginning, God created. And so if God is a creative God and we are made in his image, then we are creative beings. And our, our minds are meant to create. Our, our minds are meant for ideas, that kind of thing. And they're really not meant for remembering things. They're not very good at remembering things. Um, and so with that being the case, we need to capture things that are bouncing around in our head and capture them on paper. Like, I don't know if it's happened to you, but I walk into the kitchen, and I'm like, I know I walked in here for a reason, 
but I can't remember what that reason was. And then, like, that happens constantly to me, and it's because our minds are not necessarily meant for those things. And so we need to capture things, write them down to free up our minds to do what they were made to do, and lists, like I said, are a great way to do that. Use your mind for what it was created for and write the rest down. Um, <coughs> also, practical, keep a calendar. I have no idea what I would do without my calendar. Lauren and I share a calendar, and so every day I know what the plan is. I know what we're doing that evening. I know my appointments I have, things like that. If you don't have a calendar, they're very easy to create, and most of them now fit in our pocket. So um, I just would encourage that. Um, Number five, do a mind dump. You're probably like, what's a mind dump? That sounds inappropriate. Um, once a week, you take a set amount of time and you just write down everything that has your attention. And so, like I said, we have so many things bouncing around in our head, and if we don't capture them, we're going to lose them or we're going to forget them. Um, we, there's things bouncing around in my head today of what I have to do Later, And a lot of times they're not even like things that would be on a to-do list, but they're just desires of my heart, whether it's like I want to have the neighbors over for dinner or I need, sometimes they are tasks like I need to return a phone call or I have to uh, fix the railing in the basement or I need to sign up my kid for soccer, whatever it is. We have so many tasks that are constantly bombarding us through text message or email or Facebook messenger or somebody telling us or a phone call or a voicemail or we just are bombarded constantly with tasks. When you do a mind dump, suddenly all those things, you, you say you set your clock for t- five minutes, you get out a piece of paper and a pen, and you just start writing. All these things, and they kind of all link together, and you see like how weird your mind is when they're all written down on paper. But suddenly, now they're not in your mind bouncing around. They're captured on paper. And so now you can take that paper and you can cross out things like, okay, that's no longer relevant, or that's something I can delegate, or that's something that I need to do right now or very soon, and you can prioritize and organize and things like that. And so, again, kind of like the purpose statement, I highly recommend doing this because it really is an effective tool to um, just kind of get the things out of your mind and on paper. Um, I have no scriptural basis from brain dump. <laughs> but, um, Chris, you said cast all your cares upon him. Like, that's, I think, what we're doing for a brain dump is just, it's something where we're saying, God, take this and I can't handle it on my own. I need you to help me with it. <clears throat> um, here, ultimately, here's the thing about time management. You have to do what works for you. Because I can stand up here and I can tell you what works for me, and maybe that won't work at all for you. And maybe you already have a system in place that works really well for time management. But what I can tell you that I know will work is the most important thing you can do with your time is to use what little time we have on this earth to honor our Creator. That is the most effective use of your time. We live in a world where Satan is coming after us. 
And it, it, the, the battle is not a battle between Satan and God. God won that battle 2,000 years ago on the cross. That victory is won. But the battle every day is Satan versus you. And he's coming to steal your faith in God. And one way he does that is by stealing your time. He will trick you into making you feel like your time is better spent on Instagram. Or he'll trick you into thinking your time is better spent watching TV. Or he'll trick you into thinking that you don't even have the time to spend with him. Um, You don't have the time to spend with your family or to read the Bible because you're too busy. And you don't have time to serve back in kids because you're too busy or you don't have time to love others or serve others. He'll trick you into thinking that you're being effective when you're really just busy. And Satan has no business stealing our time. The other day I heard somebody say, time flies, but you're the pilot. I was like, that's good. That's appropriate for what I'm speaking on. Um, and I thought it was true. You know, we are called to be good stewards of what God has given us. The time that God has given us on earth is so minute compared to eternity. Uh, I've seen Francis Chan do this thing where he takes a rope, and if you picture a rope that just starts on that wall and goes all the way, except then extends both ways from Canton or whatever's that way to all the way that way and through the borders of Illinois and through out into the oceans, the Atlantic and the Pacific, and that rope just keeps going. Our time on this earth is here, this little pinpoint in the realm of eternity. And the way that we spend our time here affects the way that we're going to spend our time for the rest of that rope. And so I'm not sure that we will ever get time management totally right. I know I don't, and I know that um, I'm not getting it perfect. But the good news is that we don't have to get it perfect. As long as we are striving to love God and love people with all that we have, with the time that we have, and honor God with the time that we have, I think we're spending our time wisely. I mow my lawn. Here comes a mowing analogy. Ready? Every time I mow my lawn, Jet comes out to help. And he has this little Tykes mower, and he, he brings it out. And I, I start up my mower, and I'm walking up and down the lawn. And the next thing I know, Jet's behind me pushing his little Tykes mower. And then I get done, and Jet hasn't done a thing. He didn't help me mow the lawn. But I don't get in his face, and I don't tell him, you idiot, that thing doesn't even have a blade. You didn't help me. You didn't serve me. You wasted your time. But I get down on my knees, and I grab him by the shoulders, and I say, Jet, thank you so much for helping me. Thank you so much for serving me, buddy. I love you so much. And I think that's what God would say to us. Even if our time isn't necessarily effective, but we're using it to glorify him, we're using it to serve him and love him and honor him, then we're using our time the way we are called to use it. God wants our hearts. He wants our time. He wants every moment of our lives and he wants us to spend our time with him and so let's do that today let's spend our time with jesus let me pray heavenly father thank you 
for every moment that we have, every breath that we have. And God, we pray that from this moment forward, we would not waste a second of our time. That with everything we say, with everything we do, with every breath we take, we would honor you and we would glorify you and we would love others in your name. And we would do everything it takes, God, to just um, give you the praise and the glory. And God, even though we are broken, even though we will fall short at that, we are grateful for the grace that you will show us um, when we do fail. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen.